committing such crimes that it's assured to give us 15 to life in the nearest space prison. It's Vija, please. A hateful voyage with the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. And I'm your cellmate, Peter. Peter, everyone has started to really enjoy your exploits in VR. <laughs> so I don't know I about I don't know about that, but I certainly am. Well, you know, this is our show, so that means we get to just voice this on our listeners. So before we talk about anything else, the floor is yours. Tell us of your VR tales. All right. So up to this point, I've been using the uh, the trailer deck, a.k.a. the Oculus Quest, as uh, mostly for gaming. But I dipped my toe into some social stuff with it, <clears throat> which was miserable. Uh, but I've circled back around there. There's two big things out there. One is, uh, the big picture, which is a neat way to watch movies with friends. The other is this program called VR chat, which is like, oh God. did you experience VR chat at all? I know exactly what VR chat is. VR chat is the layer of hell just below Xbox live. That is right? correct. Yes, absolutely. Completely fucking miserable. But I, I was like, all right, let me let me poke around this thing a little bit more. And I found that once you get away from all the weeboo teens, right? Let's just lump it all together as the sex, right? Yeah, degenerates. Yeah, yeah. Filthy degenerates. Uh, but I start poking around and I'm like, all right, well, there's there's got to be some shit out there. And I, I find some pretty cool cyberpunks um, worlds, each different server or map is called a world and I'm, I'm poking around and I'm like, I wonder, let me, let me move away from these crowds and start doing some of my searches and boom, there I am. I'm in a recreation of Janeway's ready room. And I'm like, now this is fucking cool, right? Like this, this might not be a bad place to, uh, to, to replace a zoom call. If you want to play catch up with a buddy. And I look more star Trek. And I see that somebody has, and I'm not sure what the technology is here, but they have ripped all of the Voyager interior levels out of the old Raven software game, uh, Star Trek Elite Force, into this. And it's all like appropriate ID Tech 3 engine rendering. And it's just all this stuff blatantly ripped out of this video game there for me to walk around with in full 3D. And it's it's badass. And I don't know what the best applications for this stuff are, but if nothing else, just a walk down memory lane of playing these video games uh, and being in this Trek environment in 3D without actually installing the game uh, is is pretty magic. And um, I don't know, I'm scratching my head thinking of the right way to handle this uh, other than, you know, one of us being Janeway and the other one being Chakotay and us having failed games sped at each other. But I think there's a cool way to socialize in there somewhere. And I, I just, I got to put my finger on it, but maybe, maybe before we wrap the show, you and I find a way to do some kind of intro for, for one of our episodes, utilizing this, this new found glory. There's so there's an unlocking vistas of my mind of what we could accomplish as a team. Cyber skits. Hmm. I mean, <laughs> there's good and bad in that. There's good and bad in that. You might be touching Pandora's box and we might want to stay the fuck. I don't know. I, hmm. We, you know, we've already had enough technical faults, maybe. And on that note, allow me to explain something that will no doubt be on the minds of most of our listeners. Listeners because, are like, hey, where's season seven, episode 12 um, lineage? Yeah, where is that? Where? What happened? Well, it's my fault. I'm just going to cut to the chase. It's this guy's fault. And it's because we recorded that episode last week on our usual time. And a couple of things were confounding factors. One, I was just kind of like cranky and pissed off and was not enjoying the process. And two, your internet shit out on you halfway through and you came back into our recording on Zencaster. And I'm like, oh, it'll be fine. We don't have to create a second file. Narrator, it was not fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, the end result was I got a garbled second half of your audio that i couldn't save and the episode ended up being kind of difficult to do a fun podcast about and wasn't a really enjoyable recording experience to begin with and we just uh as you put the it result just... i believe is what uh you refer to in the star trek podcasting uh biz as lost in space yes we that one is in the ether never to the return here is a quick 
and dirty review of Lineage, uh, since we did watch it, uh, it, it was pretty good. Uh, good, probably the best Tom Bolana content that you have gotten on the show, aside from the one scene where they died when they were secretly clones and Potsy was murdering everybody. Fuck you, Potsy. Uh, there is a, a strong emotional uh, moments when it comes to Bolana and the doctor and the doctor accepting the role as, as Bolana's, uh, as the godfather of, of Tom and Bolana's child. Uh, you noted, of course, that all of the uh, we just got pregnant. Oh my God! Stuff is very uh, stereotypical because it's extremely true. <laughs> and yes. uh, otherwise, I think we reflected on the reality that it was a good reason. It was a good example of why we're not going to review DS Nine because it's really hard to crack funny jokes about an overly serious episode of Star Trek. Does that about does that about summarize yeah. it? You know, uh, whereas Eleven Fifty Nine told a story that wasn't necessarily a Star Trek story and did it without really doing it in a Star Trek way, I thought that uh, Lineage did a great job of telling a Hallmark family story, using Voyager the right way, touching on the cast members the right way. Uh, special shout out to the very, very dark path that Bolana goes down when she violates the EMH, reprograms him. So he lies to her husband about why this uh, cosmetic genetic engineering needs to take place. Uh, and as you already mentioned at the end, the kind of the the mending of bridges between Bolana and the doctor when she invites him to be the uh, the godfather instead of that space rat Neelix or Chakotay. Uh, it's a very emotional moment when the EMH accepts it. It's a big growth point for him to be really acknowledged by the meatbags as a uh, family. And for Bolana, who has been victimized more than anyone else on the ship by AI to bring something that is often murderous and evil uh, into her family as a, uh, a, a close affiliate of her child. So a lot of good in there. Um, and yeah, it was a it was a a good episode of Voyager that was a mostly boring podcast to the point where, because I, I certainly as a uh, late thirties white dude, when you as a late thirties white dude can't reflect too heavily on personal experiences of biracial households. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think the majority of the episode was talking about uh, Aliens Fire Team, which is great and has a real lot of really good lore. Go check it out if you like Aliens. There's, there's some really cool colonial stuff going on in there and air fryers are amazing and you should totally buy one. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would completely agree that, that the, the content from that podcast ranked would be your review of aliens fire team, you informing me about air fryers and then like us reflecting on parenthood, which really is, was you reflecting on parenthood. So mm -hmm. you're not missing anything. Instead we uploaded our episode that we did for our patrons uh, on Battlestar Galactica, which was like way better. <laughs> it's like twice as long and five times as better content. So you're welcome. And uh, there, there's a review of Lineage. Pretty good. You should watch it, but just be prepared for some very special episode-y uh, flavor to it. And speaking of episodes with a very special episode-y flavor to it, what did we watch this week? Two for two, man. Season seven, episode 13, Repentance. This is so easily carbon dated from its era. Because I can't, I remember the early 2000s being the is capital punishment bad discourse kind of period, you know, like it's it's striking how this question and this is what this episode's about, right? Like the ethics and morality of a justice system that allows for capital punishment. This is really the core of the episode. And this is so an early 2000s United States specific political discourse that was happening then talk about a topic that i have not heard brought up at all in in years and i mean in the current political climate we're at right now like this is such a booger wiped under the desk never to be given a fuck about again this, yeah this is probably not in the top 30 of anyone's political concerns in this country that's just an objective truth it is not a, a judgment you know, we obviously don't use this podcast to talk about politics in any kind of way, generally speaking. But 
when you have an episode like this that's clearly trying to talk about an issue, we kind of have to put it in context. And the context is this really was a big deal back then because there were movies like Dead Man Walking. That was a big hit around that time. Uh, Green Mile. Green Mile. There was more like pop culture and sociopolitical commentary around the concept of this specific element of the U.S. justice system. Not like the whole thing writ large, but capital punishment exactly. And this was this was the Trek episode they decided to make in that era with huge and, racial undertones. Yeah, they definitely made a point of of putting a racial element into it, although kind of subverting their own message. Yeah, a little uncomfortable. Like, okay, here, here here it is. Here it is for everybody. This episode creates essentially space black people for the specific part of space and that they're persecuted and they go to jail way more frequently than they should. And then that guy winds up being the bad guy anyway. I'm not sure what you were trying to do with that writers in 2001, but uh, didn't that's work. What we got. That's, yeah. what, that's what you did. Why did you do this? This is uh, Mike Sussman, Robert Doherty directed by Mike Viger. Teleplay by Robert Doherty. Yeah. Mixed messages. Real preachy mixed messages. Very mixed. Very, very mixed. Uh, there pop- are, that said, I do I do think that this episode has one very strong plot line. Its A plot is good. Its A plot is interesting. I I think that does a lot to to kind of carve its way through its very uh heavy-handed political message and still deliver on something that's that's Voyager specific and interesting. So we open right up with action. Voyager's rolling up on a ship that's thrown out distress calls. Hey, we need emergency transport out of here. Um, I like to take a moment to reflect on the fact that transporter technology in the Delta Quadrant still seems to be pretty rare. It's pretty hit or miss coming across a race where they are openly acknowledging and understanding of how transporters work is, is always kind of a big deal. But um, Janeway beams them over. Two of the people are already injured. So two go right to uh, sick bay and the rest beam into the transporter room. And we get a pretty interesting exchange in the transporter room because you've got prison guards and prisoners and the guards are holding their hands up with air guns and they're like where's our weapons because sometimes the transporter chiefs remember hey don't let people come over here with dangerous weapons and sometimes they let them come over with bombs shoved up their assholes so they can blow them up and strand them on a volcano dinosaur island a la basics but you got voyager security there which in a rare showing is kind of doing their job don't worry they fuck it up later Big time. And that later is over in sickbay where we have two very unbelievable things happening. Uh, you have seven of nine and a big scary alien. And the big scary alien has immobilized her by grabbing her by the arm as just about everybody has wanted to do at this point. And he has a, a scalpel, which I didn't think existed in the future, according to Leonard McCoy, right? It's a laser. It's a space scalpel. You know, it looks like a fucking shank to me. And he's got it up to her throat and she's all like, oh, my gosh, and hasn't ripped his fucking head off yet. And then you have everybody's favoring smoldering catcher, Lieutenant Ayala, across from them with a gun drawn on. him. I cannot buy for a fucking second that Ayala didn't just drop this fool who is contractually obligated to always be the ultimate badass. I mean, it takes Super Saiyan Kess to one up Ayala, right? I will I will note that Ayala does not get like one upped in this scene so much as he is just kind of in the background. And later on, when security members do in fact get uh sent to Jabroniville, he is not among them. No, he isn't. He is not, because that is not in his contract. I will say that Seven does redeem herself. And Seven's been clowned on several times now, the last being what was the holographic war? prior to the Herogen episode. What was that called? Oh, uh, in the flesh? No, flesh and blood. Yeah. Whatever, the one where she's she is the doctor. 
the silliness of her being damseled comes to a very abrupt end when she has enough of this bullshit. She looks uh, like she's had enough of it from the start and she's just kind of annoyed. Like you never really get a sense that she feels endangered. She's just like, maybe, okay, I'm going to give you a few seconds to convince this guy to stop before I like violence him. All right. You failed. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. All right. Like you never EMH gets in there, like trying to diplomacy the thing. And I don't know. I think she punches him in the dick and then gives him a fucking, uh, a stole cold stunner or something. Yeah, I mean, pick that one up from the from the WWE episode, right? Like, yeah, just yeah. you're using those skills. Mm-hmm. She's got that identical memory. She remembers exactly how the rock bottom goes. Uh, so she knocks this fool off of him, and then easily my favorite part of the scene: the bad guy then moves over to take the EMH hostage in the exact same situation. At this point. Detective Tuvok has shown up on the scene and he has investigated things and decided the best way to fix the problem is to shoot the bad guy by shooting directly through the doctor, which was fucking amazing. So we find out as the dust settles what's going on and Voyager has assisted this ship in crisis that is three prison guards and uh, eight prisoners, I believe. And the prisoners are being transported back to these, this alien homeworld. What should we call these aliens? They've got, they've kind of got this very like rigid nose, right? They have these features that kind of like look like armor plating almost. Um, what do we call them? You know, it's what, what, where do they fall in the, the hierarchy of Delta quadrant aliens? I think the, the Omega actually looks pretty good. It's, it's not too much. Very interesting. They used an actor with a bald spot. You never really see that short of the EMH. And for this guy to have someone with my own bald spot issue, I'm always very cognizant of who else is losing hair out there in the tinsel town. Same. I don't... <laughs> Good. I'm glad to hear. <laughs> Misery loves company. <laughs> listen, listen. I held on to my hair longer than my dad. I, st- I still can fake it pretty well. So I, I take I take my wins where I can. My dad was completely bald by now. So hmm. it's a W as far as I'm concerned. Uh, we've been teasing my I've been teasing my daughter, telling her that when she turns 10, I'm going to I'm going to cut her hair off and put it on my head. And <laughs> that's excellent. Dad torture. Well done. I said it as an offhand joke and she has held on to this with both hands and it terrified her. And I was like, listen, it, it's going to be fair. I'll, I'll buy it off you for a bowl of ice cream. And she considered it, but ultimately said that that's a bad deal. And I said, you're right. <laughs> it's, it's good that she's able to assess risk mm-hmm. and, and reward. She understands the currency of hair. So uh, I've assured her it's just a, it was a, it was just a joke. I was being silly. What is her uh, stance on genetically engineering dinosaurs though? Have you, have you taught her on that level? She does like dinosaurs. We'll see if it holds up after we do our next uh, universal studios run here. I don't know if I'm going to be taking her to the Raptor encounter. Cause that's a little intense, but that, that would certainly, I think sway her away from wanting to, uh, play with mother nature she would in uh, fact stop to think if she should that's absolutely. good i, I think good. So. yeah i mean she showed good judgment and decision making on the hair negotiation so i'm i'm confident she'll know to let the the, the monsters lay in the amber where they are uh, what to call these guys you know it's been so long since i've thought about anything regarding the death penalty like uh, who who was the bad evil camp in the old death penalty uh debate days of the 90s like this the state of Texas probably executes more criminals than every other state combined. Uh, so could, do we just, do we call, do we call them the Texans? Like, what do we call them? Uh, yeah. The, the space Texans, space Texans. Okay. Sure. That tracks, that tracks. So the space Texans are like, these guys that we're escorting are all murderers. Some of them are multiple murderers and the one that was uh had the scalpel seven nine he's like space manson right like he's the worst he's the worst one and boy this guy playing him he goes all in on the i am a crazy psycho murderer thing here for the first act he is uh he's he's dedicated to sparkle motion i gotta give him props he he does the sort of like just just 
straight crazy eye I'm gonna find your children and eat them kind of look to him the entire literally, time. He, he yeah, literally he's that threat. <laughs> he threatens uh, you know, Texas Walker Ranger or whatever, right? And yeah. or Walker Texas Ranger and says, I know your kids' names and they're probably gonna die and uh gets his ass beat in the process because space Texans don't put up with that bullshit. Uh so so what's happened is they've resolved the issue uh in sick bay. They're like these guys are prisoners. They need to be captured. Apparently the brig facilities on Voyager are not big enough to accommodate eight people, which was kind of interesting. I mean, so are we led to believe it? I think we've seen at least two stalls. Is the brig just two jail cells and that's it? Yeah. It's just that one set that they made. That's got the two jail cells. But what's interesting to me is Janeway agrees like, okay, well we'll just chill here and wait for like your people to show up. Because we were going the opposite direction, right? Like, we're going the wrong way. We don't want to go back. So we'll wait for your people to show up. And they just, like, instantly convert one of the cargo bays into extra prison cells, complete with force fields and apparently, like, super metal, you know, grates. Whatever. Like, instantly. Instantly, there's these eight single bay prison cells. Like, they make it seem like this is just knock flats furniture that they've got stored up in the racks. Yeah. Like the cargo d- rack. And they can just get the space forklift, get it down and Ikea these things together. Ayala, go down to Ikea, buy eight cells to store murderers in <laughs> from the space Texans real quick. Just throw them up. It'll be fine. It'll, Joe, be, it'll look classy. What are your realistic options here? Uh, A, the Ikea Space Jail, which is what this episode title shall now be. Yes, Ikea Space Jail. Yes, agreed. Uh, Option B is to put them in suspended animation. And Juggalo Tech. Just, man, I wish we had, you know, 100 episodes ago, come up with some kind of, like, tally board of, like, every time uh, Juggalo Space Tech Jail would have been interesting or useful. Great, yeah. Uh, Or... C, which is clearly the most inhumane and unreasonable thing. That would have been just to go put them down in the holodeck. Put them in like a holodeck jail or just put them in like Sandrine's. (laughs) You have to interact with all of Tom's sex puppets. He's not using them now that he's married. So uh, we want to treat these guys humane. So we're going to put them into fucking the, what was the Irish fucking Fairhaven? They'll get nets thrown on them and, and the villagers will like circle up in time to chairs and that'll be good enough. I, we understand you're all convicts, so please meet the most criminal of our white minorities, the Irish. <laughs> you guys like murdering people here. Go buck wild. You, yep. Mm, that would have been you, interesting. You, you, they like all show up on the holodeck and like you just like let Michael know in advance. They're all a bunch of space murderers. Mm-hmm. He just like has the whole town regulate. Like just throw nets on them. It's super effective. Or just don't even tell them it's a holodeck and let them go murder their heart's content and you can continue. Oh God, like turn it into a saw. <laughs> like you go in and you're like, huh? Just like Worse World, man. You, you could have gone back and sold these guys to the Herogen. There's a there lot of terrible no, ways this episode they should have. They should have created like a, a simulation of like Nazis. And so they'd be like, hey, listen, go nuts. There's no moral dimension mm-hmm. to this whatsoever. You act 10 years um, off the sentence of anyone who kills Hitler. Ooh, competi- that, that's some competitive gaming there. Uh, yeah, there's no there's no 10 years off anything here, though. As you said, everybody is uh, on death row and uh, they are going to die one way or another. So we enter some interesting plot points now because, of course, the guy that got shot by Tuvok uh, is now wounded and he's going to require some patching up and we start doing the 90s tropey what's the point in giving medical attention to these people who are just going to die anyways um and that is all in the background to the bigger discussion which is the crew is not happy with Janeway's decision to cooperate with a government system that still has a death penalty because of course the enlightened federation has moved far beyond such barbaric things. And we strap ourselves in for a lot of hypocritical conversations, specifically coming out of the EMH about how uncomfortable he is with the concept of let's me, where's it at here? Yes. Um, 
and I quote the EMH, killing is wrong no matter who. Uh, the Doctor, of course, being the main cast member who potentially, I think, has the highest body count at this point. Let's let's run through the gambit of all the times the EMH has either been willing to directly endanger life to the point of death or was at a minimum an accessory to death. All right. Let's 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 try to let's try to count the ways. Uh, well, let's start with the most pertinent example, which would be uh, Flesh and Blood, where he kills the holographic Bajoran guy, who is clearly sentient, right? Right. So he's, he's definitely not above killing a sentient computer program. Uh, he served uh, quite famously as the Colonel Campbell to the the uh, the ship murderer. Lon Suter and convinced him and and ginned him up to go down to the engine room and kill as many of them as possible after he was trying to leave his murdering ways behind. He gave the administrator space aids in um, whatever the floating hospital episode was. He was Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde and Darkling when he was kind of doing his will he or won't he murder someone there. I'm not even going to count the Dr. Evil episodes where he was not in his right mind. Um, he was willing to nuke the Napoleon Dynamite space vampires from orbit at Chakotay's request. He went into the room with all of the people in Future's End and with a phaser and just like shot them all. I guess you could say that he knew the weapon was on stun, but he was still mm. willing certainly to do violence and potentially endanger someone's life. Someone had I a mean, heart condition, they would just have died. Someone sl- could have slipped and, and hit their head on a console and the console could have exploded. Definitely were definitely endangered people's lives through his actions. So, yeah, the EMH sitting here and telling me that killing is wrong, no matter who, um, seems a little silly. And there's certainly been enough other violence visited by Voyager crewmates, specifically Tom, who convict Tom uh, keeps his fucking mouth shut through a lot of that because he also has a lot of blood on his hands, but he doesn't act like he doesn't. He also comes up with one of the more salient conversations, quite frankly, that happened in the episode in the B plot, which is what we'll get to, which involves uh, Neelix uh, losing some of his New Jack credit, unfortunately. Uh, but but I'm Tom, shaking my head over here. That, that yeah. was a big step back. The the A plot in this episode is the convict Ico. So Ico is a space Texan that is the the, the main psycho. He's the he's the main bad guy and he gets his ass beat in by Walker, Texas Space Ranger uh, for mouthing off about eating his children or something. And the doctor's like, well, he's got an edema. We got to save his life. Seven. Hey, listen, I know like he sky threatened to kill you earlier, but kind of some of your nanoprobes. I want to like fix this. The triumphant return of bored pixie dust. Once upon a time, Joe, you had made a proclamation that, you know, once seven joined the cast. Every other plot was going to be resolved with her uh, nanoprobes dubbed the the Borg space pixie dust. And that has not certainly not been the case. So seeing that being a major plot point here was a pretty big deal. That's definitely an L on my part. I think it was just one of those things where several prominent episodes make use of it. And it just ends up being something you conflate with all of Voyager rather than actual frequency in which it comes up. So this is more rare than I had, had anticipated. But here it is. And uh, they go in and just randomly inject these nanoprobes into a brain they've never really researched. And wouldn't you know it, it kind of has some 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 consequences they weren't intending. Uh, the the one in this case is they accidentally give this guy his conscience back, which they they do cleverly explain. They give you a physiological explanation, which is space Texans have a literal physical connection to a piece of their brain that provides them with the 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 responses that govern conscientious decision making and his was not functional and then the Borg nanoprobes accidentally on purpose fixed that part of his brain and now he's a good person oops yeah uh so that's the angle we take here is a it, it we get into the nature versus nurture um in a a little bit of um clinical insanity sprinkled on just for fun 
And it's it's got shades. Stevie was watching this with me, and she's like, "This has got shades of that. It's not your fault if you're mentally ill." Sort of vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Is is the your culpability based on your mental state, which I guess is a is a more sophisticated through line than just is capital punishment good or bad? Please please choose an answer. Uh, and that's what keeps me invested in this, right? Uh, there, there's not clear sob stories laid out and the use of the nanoprobes correcting a physiological flaw, um, which becomes the the foundation that the Federation uh, participants' moral objections to this process gets built on. And I, I think there's enough meat on the bone here that it's able to carry the rest of the episode through. That and also, let, let me pull up uh the main bad guy here what's his name because he's i think this actor and the character end up being uh interesting enough that uh, i want to give this guy due credit here yeah he kills Ico is the character's name Ico. that's right uh so he gets to do his heel face turn here right he goes from being an absolute fucking psychopath who's doing chin-ups off the roof Right. He he's over there showing how he duty, how the sweet deadlifts actually work. Uh, to someone who becomes a very soft, kind soul, soft spoken and incredibly guilt racked for what he's done, because once these nanoprobes fix his brain, he is hit with a flood wave of emotion and regret for everything he's done. This is where the title is coming from. Repentance. Right. And uh, I. I don't know what you did to me. Uh, he assumes that this is an intentional punishment by the Voyager crew and he does not like it. And they kind of have to struggle and see what, why is this guy being affected this way? Oh, that's when we find out that we've fixed a problem this guy's had. And I don't think they're making a statement here that because you've got the space Texans, which are the guards, right? And what, what alien race is this? That's a shitty thing about like these Voyager episodes, these one and done character races. It, it just it feels like it, uh, there's not even a reason to, to ever bother learning the names because they're never going to pop back up again. Nijian, Nigian. Well, that's problematic, huh? <laughs> well, a little close, a little close. Uh, so you got the space Texans and then you've got various other species in this quadrant of space that fall under their jurisdiction. Uh, so I, what was his name? I kill, I kill, I kill. He's not actually a space Texan. He's one of these minority species in the area. No, I think Ico is, is a space Texan. No. It's the other one who's not right. I don't, it's hard to tell by the shit on their face. I, I think it's different enough. Let's call him a space Texan just for shits and giggles. And, and if we are lumping him in with the space Texans, no, the, the, it's not a species level defect in the brain that's preventing the guilt from functioning correctly. It's this guy specifically had a neurological condition and the Borg pixie dust has fixed it. So uh, yeah, you get this. I just looked it up. They're both the same species. Walker wow. space, Texas Ranger is supposed to be the same species. It's it's Joe leg who is the B plot guy. That is the other species. Well, that's a big miss, I think, on the costume or makeup department because, uh, God, I hate using real <laughs> main psycho and the warden do not look that similar. But I think their noses are similar. I I didn't think that they weren't the same species. the The other guy clearly was like the way they did his makeup around his eyes was definitely yeah. very good, and they made him look very different. Everybody got a lot of silly putty on their face for this one. So the 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 main A plot's focus really turns to a seven of nine story. And this is kind of where I think it gets a lot of points for me because it touches on why seven of nine ends up caring about what happens to this guy as they resolve this guy's problem. And he has all of this guilt and he's seeking forgiveness and repentance for what he's done it's because it links back very much to seven's own story which is she was not in control of herself 
and engaging in mass murder and terrible actions, genocide, destruction of planets, stripping of other people's individuality. And she, as, as the show has very patiently established, has shown increasing regret and remorse and emotion for her role in those things. Last time we really touched on it heavy was when she woke the Klingassian Nazis up from their space sleep without waiting for the go ahead from Janeway, I think. Uh, Remembrance, I think, was the episode where they, they ran into the war memorial and she had a conversation with Neelix mm. where Neelix was, you know, asking her about how she felt about the, the crimes, quote unquote, she committed. And she's like, I think about it all the time. Like, obviously, like I, it weighs on me each day. And this really feeds into that, which is she cares about what happens to this guy because she sees herself in his journey, which is he wasn't in control of himself. He committed a crime. And ultimately, Seven of Nine gets to be redeemed. Seven of Nine doesn't get punished. She even says so at the end, like, I killed thousands of people. I was never punished. This guy killed one person and he's dead now. Spoilers. Yeah, spoiler. <laughs> this guy is not a recurring character. Well, that means nothing in the world of Voyage. You're going to have perfectly living, viable, great potential crew additions that just never get to come on board again. Cough, cough, Dr. Pell. Um, so she becomes like uh, he becomes the 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 wounded bird that she has in a shoebox and she is going to nurse him back to health. Um, sticking with the A plot here, we'll, we'll talk about the B plot in a minute. But uh, this guy's getting special attention right now because he had this medical condition. Oh, uh, after uh, Walker, Texas Ranger and his uh, space Texans beat the fuck out of this guy. Janeway makes the decision. Hey, by the way, these are now my prisoners until your people show back up. Give us the guns back and you're not allowed back in Ikea space jail cargo bay three anymore because y'all wild and I'm not dealing with this. So everything's being handled in accordance with uh, Federation rules. Um, as this guy's guilt really starts setting back and he says, I don't want to be in uh, in in the sick bay anymore. I don't deserve special treatment. This guy's got some real bleed through on his guilt, right? Uh, this is after seven has kind of had some constellation astrophysical space talk with him and, and starts building those connections. And I think that's what clues her in that, you know, there's this kind soul that's buried under these murderous features of this guy. He ships back off down to the Ikea space jail. And that's where we have to start talking about the B plot because the B plot it's unfortunately our boy Neelix getting a little bit of time in the sun and not and not performing at its best. This is the return of Chump Neelix. This the sad and diminished version of Neelix. Certainly not new. New Jack Neelix's coat must have gotten tore, toe up in, uh, in the laundry. In some, yeah, and some some dry cleaning mishap. And he's coming through with like a delicious sounding stew with over rice pilaf for all the prisoners. I mean, the most appetizing meal I've ever heard Neelix talk about and start serving it to all the prisoners. And the other main prisoner that we talk about uh, is Joleg. Joleg is of the other race. I referred to them earlier as the parallel to space black people. They're a racial minority in this part of space that's controlled by the space Texans. And it is the very much like the 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 intention is laid down of they are over policed, they are accused of crimes, and their reputation is such as they are unduly convicted. They're like they're definitely trying to to draw that distinction with this specific and they have a, a kind of a racial minority actor playing this. I think he's he's Hispanic, but point is they otherize this guy in a very specific way for the purposes of the plot. To the point where Neelix ends up with like crime statistic data and he's like, you know, this doesn't make sense. Why is it when some people commit murder, they get to uh, live? But, you know, other times it's just an instant conviction. There's this guy comes across as very like I am wrongly accused. He he says, like, 
I have been accused of this, but I didn't, you know, it's because of my, uh, my race, not because I'm guilty. He doesn't even really say it that way. Like he doesn't say he didn't do it. He just talks around it in a way that paints a picture. Paints a picture to the level of when Bellana was very clearly trying to sleep with Icheb until the last two minutes of the episode where she says she has not been trying to sleep with Icheb, right? Correct. Like, so they do a very good job with uh, Joe Leg portrayal. Um, he's not over there up in Neelix's face like, hey, this is bullshit. I was falsely convicted. He's just like, here's a lot of information. And they leave uh, Neelix to make reasonable assumptions like this is a wrongful conviction this guy has been um falsely prosecuted there's a lot of flimsy circumstantial evidence uh this is a bad situation and they do a good job building sympathy here right it culminates in him convincing neelix to send a letter on his behalf to his brother a very innocent seeming gesture right like can't help you get uh, out from under this conviction can't help you with your appeal is established in these conversations that the appeal process for a death penalty case is that the family of the person you murdered can let you off the hook. And this is where wealthy families can essentially settle restitution rather than uh, having someone be convicted, which has its own parallels in the U S justice. And uh, there isn't much that can be done because this guy is poor but hey, if you can let my brother know what's happened to me, I would appreciate it. He doesn't like Neelix is even like, hey, let me see what the captain can do to help. And the guy's like, no. All I ask is you just let my brother know that what's happened, he deserves to know. Right. He, he the amount of leading that he does to manipulate Neelix on the surface level here is like non-existent. That's it's not this guy is incredibly crafty and devious and shitty. It's just that chump neelix is that much of a chump he even has the dialogue with with tom which tom's trying to point out to him like bro i am i have been to space prison multiple space prisons at this point (laughs) i'm a connoisseur of various prison foods both within the alpha quadrant and delta all of the space prisons i've been there everyone's got a story this guy's conning you he is conning you and chump Neelix for whatever reason, can't see that his fellow convict Tom is trying to guide him, you know, and he, he buys into the story to the extent that he sends the letter, right? So the A plot and the B plot converge when Joleg's brother shows up in a, in a, in a, in a space hoopty and starts laying down accurate fire on Voyager to try and pick Joleg up and roll out. Hammers the fuck out of Voyager. Voyager, which just pimp slapped half the Herosian fleet around like it wasn't no thing, is just sitting there while a shuttlecraft drops it to like 30% shields or something fucking ridiculous. Like... A speck, a speck of a ship. And speaking of Tuvok, his security team, like we were watching it and like, the, of course, power starts to fluctuate and all the, the, the cells uh, go down. And immediately, like Stevie and I are like, oh, look, it's a bunch of murderers versus like four security guards with guns. Those security guards have no chance. This is Voyager. I mean, if unarmed Ferengi <laughs> can defeat security guards then hardened criminals are going to just absolutely waste these fools it's not even going to be close yeah that's exactly what happens they just probably should have been a kill count here interesting turn of play for star trek voyager uh you know yet another jailbreak episode uh rare to see voyager as the jailing entity here for a change um we've got the prisoner escape at this point uh i ico whatever uh he has returned to his cell to to sit with his uh his peers in punishment and wallow in self-doubt and guilt uh the force fields go down we get the jurassic park all the dinosaurs are loose scene uh none of the voyager people actually get stabbed because you know network television i guess i don't know this isn't oz (laughs) 
Yeah, no, no one gets the shiv like it's HBO. Well, you know, to be fair, people did get the shiv in the shoot, so... Tuvok starts to slowly, like, take out some of the, the prisoners that are trying to escape. Aiko is quite obviously not attempting to escape. He's staying in his cell, and they're getting them one by one, but Space, uh, a Walker, Texas Ranger, and his homies uh, corner a couple of them, but then he gets got from behind. Uh, by Jolik, and they wind up going back into the prison to barricade themselves and, you know, try to negotiate using the prisoner. And there's some dialogue. Jolik is obviously quite murderous and knows exactly what's going on, that he's getting jailbroken by his, his brother and threatens to kill a space Texas Walker Ranger. Uh, but that's when Ico walks out and says, no, no, no. This guy whooped my ass, gave me a brain bleed. I want to kill him. The obvious double cross is obvious. <laughs> and uh, he flips the 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 Glock back into uh, uh, Walker, Texas Ranger's hand so that he can go boop, boop, boop and be like 10 times more effective than Tuvok ever is with a phaser, thus winning the day. This is where the episode wins. Um, it's It's simple stuff here, but the interplay here where now... Uh, Ico has had an opportunity to redeem himself to perhaps his his biggest critic on the ship, the warden. Before this, there were attempts by Voyager and Seven specifically to get Ico an appeal, and the warden was not particularly receptive to that because he just doesn't buy the story that he's changed. But he's like lawful good. He's very lawful neutral. And he's like, like, I'm still going to show you how to do this, but I don't buy it. Yeah. yeah, Like, yes, the rules do provide for this and I'll show you the family doesn't want anything to do with it. And he's just like, yeah, these guys all suck. They all need to die to the point where uh, Janeway did mention like, hey, you know, your ship had escape pods. Like, why were you about to let everybody blow up? And he's like, these guys are such are so condemned by society that we were all willing to sit there and blow up with the ship. Then me lose control of these guys. Um, So this becomes a real big deal. And I figured at this point we were just going to say, all right, well, this guy has redeemed himself and there's going to be some wave of the magic wand and Ico is going to be able to go about his business uh, and live happily ever after. But instead, I think the episode gets gets a nod of credit for me that they go the more difficult route and say, all right. Now that he has won the support of the warden, the warden uses his weight and actually facilitates this appeal with the family of the the murdered victim that he cre- uh, that that you know the the victim's family for the guy he killed. Uh, there is some pretty interesting dialogue while they're fleshing out the Tex uh, the, the space Texans judicial process, explaining why it is an impartial judge is not the best person to decide the punishment. You know. I think the example they give is um, what if you if you smash this board game or something to judge that's just a board game, but to you could be a you know valuable family heirloom. And who is he to decide? Like, and the value of life, right? Like the value of a life objectively is mm-hmm. very different than you than if it was your son. You know, sure, sure. So you know it's flawed logic or whatever, but I do appreciate the writers' room putting the effort in to say like, well, here's a semi-reasonable argument we can make in this. And, and it's also reflective of a real-life justice system, It's specifically Iran. Iran has this rule when it comes to capital punishment that um, the family of the murdered victim can actually forgive the death penalty. And there's actually been some pretty famous examples of that happening, and there's like video that you can see of the occurrence of like a family showing up to an execution, like literally someone's about to be hanged, and decides to forgive him at the last second you know um so there is a there is a something they drew from in actual history to do this so i think that helped make it feel real so we get a presentation of a appeal by Ico to the family um and the blocking is pretty interesting for this scene because you have the command crew of Voyager, as well as the warden, basically standing behind this guy as he talks to the main view screen, basically showing like full support of everyone involved that this guy has, in fact, changed that the 
there there is a different person here and that there are some very extenuating circumstances. Uh, and then the episode kind of leaves you hanging here as we're trying to um, as we're waiting for a verdict to come back. There's expanded dialogue between Ico and Seven about, uh, you know, what would you do if you did get pardoned? Maybe you come on Voyager, uh, go out and see the stars, all these options. Uh, and they're in Astrometrics having this discussion when Janeway shows up with a very sour look on her face. And and there it is. Um, she doesn't actually have to say anything before it's very clear what happened. Um, int- you mentioned the blocking. This episode does have some neat camera work and kind of way that they position the actors. That's a little bit outside of the standard house style. And this scene's also an example of that because the warden and Janeway come in. There is no dialogue. They're way in the background. You can't see them very well, but yet their body language is such that you don't need any dialogue and you don't need to see them well. You know they have bad news, which I respect when they when they go this kind of route because... They're, you know, they're slowly dialing the camera around. They're not feeling like they got to go real up close or they got to deliver some piece of dialogue or like draw it out. Like, no, she comes in, she's downtrodden. It's in her body language. You know, Iko is seeing that immediately and reacts like, fuck, you know, like didn't work. I already know it didn't work. When it wins him, when, when he gets the news, he kind of like. He doesn't like collapse dramatically, but he kind of like spins and sits on his ass on a console. Um, and you feel the weight of that, even though this guy's ready to die, even though he to a certain degree, he wanted to die and be punished for these crimes. Like right on the tails of this conversation with seven about like going out and seeing the stars and beginning this new life, like to have the rug pulled out from under him. Um, it's an emotional scene and it hits hard. Uh it's it's good stuff. And I'm still expecting this point. I'm like, all right, well, it's still Voyager. They've certainly broken the rules however many fucking times. It's clear that this uh, lawful neutral Walker, Texas Ranger, who's now owes his life to a guy whose ass he beat severely two days ago. I figured maybe he was going to pull one of those like, you know, it's a real shame that there was another uprising and I had to kill this guy and jettison him into space or whatever, and that they were going to kind of give him a pass on that. But uh, no, the Voyager's writing room goes the hard route on this. And uh, this is the last scene we get with Ico. He gets bled out by the, the, the warden, who's clearly quite regretful uh, again. Subtly so in his dialogue, the way he kind of like says, hey, I, I have to take he's respectful towards him in a way that he was not before at all. And before he goes, you know, he's he knows why seven is upset. Right. He he's under he understands the connection she, that they have. And he tries to you know connect with her one more time of like, listen, he just looked me in the eye because that's what started my journey was seeing you not look at me with fear in your eye. I like to remember you that way. And she's very upset, obliges him. He's let out. That's it for him. Right. And the last scene of the episode is back right there in astrometrics with, with you know, the captain come in to chit chat and really basically check up on her. And, you know, she, she turns, she's turned into a console. She doesn't want to talk. She's wounded. And she's like, just wasn't fair. This is not fair that this happened. And and puts the guilt on herself of, I don't deserve everything you've given me. Because I did so much worse than this guy. And here I am. Yet, he's dead. That's not fair. And it's, like you said, it's credit to the writers. To go to a place like this that's uncomfortable and and not give you the happy ending, not give you the, the easy resolution. Instead, to leave one of your major characters feeling guilty and ashamed over something that really isn't her fault, but is reminding her of her own culpability in uncounted crimes. The episode uh, does end there, but there's one scene we did not talk about, and that is where we go back to Chump Neelix. Uh, back doing the soup kitchen thing, 
over in the Ikea space jail and he comes across Joe Legg and Joe Legg's like, hey, are we going to play uh, Parcheesi again? And Neelix just looking like a total sissy, like you tricked me. And he's like, what do you mean? And then for whatever strong writing, good acting Joe Legg got before in being this uh, duplicitous, uh, intelligent, and again, I mean, for all intents and purposes, the first half of the episode, he is portrayed as completely innocent to a T, right? Yeah, now you, get you, this- you are completely buying into the idea that he is wrongly convicted and this episode is going to be about how the space Texans justice system is crooked. No, they got it right. This guy's awful. <laughs> like, that's- and his, his portrayal at the end here is like this, this two-dimensional cardboard cutout like, oh, no, it wasn't me. My that wasn't my brother. Oh, my brain hurts. I need to go to sick bay because if I go to sick bay like uh Icha or I I kill, uh maybe I'll get an appeal. And just like the most clown insulting, like how much incompetence and 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 shittiness can we pack into this guy in like a five second scene possible? And then uh Neelix looking disdainfully at him as he as he walks off like it's as if uh, live fast and prosper never happened. <laughs> and you've got this fucking adult baby nincompoop Neelix. It left a real bad taste in my mouth. Episode- and as we said before, like for as good as they did portraying Joe leg and, and kind of using him as the crux of the, this is a, a racist institution that is unfairly, uh, convicting and executing minorities uh, for the red room to suddenly be like, psych, this guy's a piece of shit. After all, Tom was right. <laughs> yeah. Tom He's- literally says, maybe they commit more crimes. It's like, yo dude, that'll get you. Can't, can't Twitter right now. Like, don't be saying that shit. <laughs> like, no, sir. That's yeah. going to be a no for me, dog. Uh, interestingly, only one scene with Bolana, and that's where she's sitting there listening to racist Tom. <laughs> get himself canceled um interesting that they've got her hidden from the the waist down i don't know if they're gonna start saddling her with the fake baby bump oh yeah totally uh but i think that there was a lot of eye rolling i did in this episode and despite uh the real preachy premise of this uh they do some they do some real interesting work specifically with uh Ico and the physiological element, the jailbreak, the heel face turn, um, getting the warden on board and ultimately failing and not taking the uh, the cheeky, uh, mischievous space visitor. Like, I think I think Voyager does itself some favors in fixing that Delta Quadrant next door score with this one and actually playing by the prime directive for a change. They actually successfully play by all of the rules. And it hurts. You know, this this is a very next gen episode, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. It does have that flavor to it of we're we're handling the big questions here. And overall, I think I like this more than lineage. I could like approach this one more obviously like lineage just had half of its episode kind of like blocked off to us yep. in a weird way. And this one you kind of can absorb. And also it's interesting to look at in the lens of, I definitely remember when this was an urgent political, very special episode worthy type of question 20 years ago. I remember that era and it is something to reflect about how that's just not a thing anymore. Not to say the capital punishment in the United States, spoiler alert, still here, but it's definitely not politically urgent anymore. No, backburner stuff. And it just, it it's a, a perhaps a, a good lesson as to when Trek writers successfully make episodes that are weighty, but deal with timeless kinds of concepts and how hold, those hold out so much better than something that feels so dated because of the specificity of, of the reference. So uh, on that note, my dear friend, Peter, what will we review what will we be reviewing next week after you spend the first seven or eight minutes talking about VR? <laughs> uh 
We're going into season seven, episode 14, Prophecy, and we've got a Klingon standing on the bridge, maybe. <gasps> oh, I know this one! Voyager finds a Klingon ship that left the Ultra Quadrant 80 years before, whose captain claims that Bolana's child is a Klingon savior. Oh, this thing is fucking awesome. <laughs> awesome, ridiculous? Or awesome, awesome... Ridic- awesome, ridiculous. For the most, it is a fun episode to watch, dude. This is good. This is good content. This is good. You'll enjoy 80 this. 80 years ago. Where was uh, the Federation Klingon relations 80 years ago? Not good. Pre uh, Kittimer? Kittimer Accords. Yeah. What was the episode of Star Trek where a, it was a, it was a, that was the one where they had a war fake that he was the captain of uh, the Enterprise because there was like the cryo sleep ship that woke up. Correct. Suicide mission or something. That is correct. So that's probably the same era these guys are from. You know what? I'm going to say nothing else. Absorb this episode's deep and abiding uh, uh, joy in its own right, sir. Hmm. This is a good one. All right. Well, fingers crossed that this bad boy uploads correctly. We got to pray to whatever (laughs) internet gods are. This one doesn't get fucking lost in space, too. Yeah, so far so good, and thanks to all of our very patient listeners. Sorry we, we kind of uh, uh, took a one way from you, uh, but uh, trust me. a good one I, to take. Yeah, trust me when I say you're not missing much. Probably probably was going to be my bottom ten we ever did uh, when it went up. So, uh, But for real, though, Aliens Fireteam Elite. Get it. And we'll see everyone next week. <laughs>